We'll go ahead and get started. All right. Let's pray, and then we'll and then we'll we'll start up here. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and study your word. We thank you for the good gift of the Sabbath that you give us, where we can come and listen to your word preached and uh, see the sacraments administered. We thank you for the baptism being performed today. May may that and the Lord's Supper be a reminder of the promises that we have in you. Uh, open our ears and uh, give us hearts of flesh to hear what you would have us say as I speak and prepare us to listen to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. No one here has a Bible. You have a Bible, okay. Um, look up, so Michelle, look up Psalm 142, 3 through 4. And just be prepared to read that when I... No problem. Psalm 142, 3 and 4. And let's see. And then you'll also read verse 7, too. Um, all right. Then, uh, Josh, if you will get Romans 12, 19 through 21 ready. And I'm going to put the intern to work. Oh, yeah, focus up. Um, Matthew 6, uh, 26 through 30. Thank you. Um, all right, is that everything we need here? Oh, and Arden. Um, Ezra 3.13, please. So, the title of our uh, chapter today is On Starving Unhealthy Emotions. Last week, y'all learned about cultivating healthy emotions, now we're going to talk about starving unhealthy ones. And in this book, we've learned that emotions don't come single file and are, in fact, muddled up at times. And we've also learned that there are times when emotions like fear and anger are a necessary thing and a good thing. So, this makes it very hard to take our emotions and put them into a good or a bad pile, since there are good emotions mixed up with the bad ones and vice versa. But being human, we still tend to label our emotions and fall into the trap of either sh shutting up or spouting out, and this is not scriptural. And so we learned that we need to engage with our emotions um, and do the hard work of sifting out what is good and bad about them and what we are feeling and what's, what that's telling us about God ourselves and the world around us. So to further the end of learning how to sift through our emotions, we're going to go over four messages um, that we can say no to, four things we say no to as we deal with our emotions and as we sift them. One is I am my emotions. Two is I need to act right now. Three is I shouldn't be feeling this. And four, this is all or nothing. So those are the four uh, messages that we're going to say no to as we seek to starve unhealthy emotions. I am my emotions, number one. Now, when you say what, when you say I am my emotions, what are you, what are you saying? I mean, mm -hmm, right. Who are you elevating? when you say that, yourself? Who are you tearing down? God, okay? 
God is supposed to be the focus of our life, not whatever particular emotion we're going through at that moment. So, of course, when we say that I am my emotions, we're taking our focus off of God and putting that particular emotion there. Now, has that ever, has taking God off his throne ever worked out for anyone in history? No. Okay. And it's, it, it doesn't work for us either. Okay. And as, as an example of this, uh, we're, we're going to look at David, not David Gilbert, although he is a wonderful man. Uh, but we're talking about King David. And David was a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14 tells us this. So let's see how he responded to his emotions. And Michelle, if you would read uh, a Psalm 142, verse 3 and 4. So David's, David's obviously in emotional turmoil, and we see here that he goes from my spirit faints all the way to no one cares. That's a huge drop, okay? He's saying, I'm feeling uh, ant until all of a sudden no one cares about me in the world, right? And so David there experiences a, a huge emotional drop, and that's... Um, Evidence that emotions can be very powerful and pull us down if we allow, if, if you put them in the, in the place of God. When you let your emotions have control or put anything in the place of God, confusion, pain, and sin follow. Look at Adam and Eve. They put their wants in front of God, and of course we experience the fall. Romans 1 tells us that man in their sin, uh, rejects God, put themselves first, and then, of course, God hands them over. So when you let your emotions rule you, you are rejecting God. And as we all know, that never works out for anyone. But in Christ, you have the ability to break this descent and come to him, bringing your emotions to him. And Michelle, if you would read uh, 142, verse 7. So, as Christians, we have the ability to say, I am not my emotions, that this emotion that I am in right now will not define me, and I bring it to the Savior, I bring it to God, and I let him deal with it. Okay? So, this is what we have to do as well. We have to bring our emotions to God, because we are enabled to by his Spirit. The second thing is I need to act right now. What are some examples of people acting rashly in the Bible? There you go. Peter cutting off someone's ear. I mean, if you need examples of rashness, just look at, just look at Peter, and you got all the examples you need right there. But uh, yes. Peter cutting off the ear of the servant. Who can think of another one? How about Martha telling Jesus? To me, this is just the height of gall. Martha telling Jesus to tell Mary to help her in the kitchen. Like, you know, hey, Jesus. I mean, you know, 
that'd be like me going up to David, this David, our David, when he's in a deep spiritual meeting with somebody and say, hey, David, could you come mow the yard? It's, it's hot. You know, like, no, you know, you know, no, I'm, I'm dealing with this right now. You know, I mean, so um, th- those are some examples of people acting rashly. This is something that needs to be done right now, and I have to act. And there are times when we do need to act right now. For example, if I were to go up to Thomas and swing my fist at him, he doesn't need to contemplate that, oh, what is that? That's a fist. What do I do next? Let me pray about this. No. Get out of the way. You know? So there are times when we need to act right now. And there are times when it pays to apply wisdom to a situation. If you're angry, it's probably not the best time to talk to your husband or wife about anything. Remember that. Y'all get married. Okay? If you're... If you're pre, pre, pre-pastor or counseling. Next one is... I'll, I'll, I'll charge you for though. But if you're angry, it's probably not the best time to talk to your spouse about anything. Or if you're necessarily sad, it's probably not the best time. If you're happy, it's probably not the best time to make, you know, a decision. Um, I mean, the fa- anytime you say, I need to act right now, you know, probably not. Um, for example, you know, you can say, well, the market's high right now, so I'll sell my house because we can get a lot of money. Yay. Oh, wait, where are we going to live? <laughs> oh. Well, there's always David Gilbert's house in the back. So, uh, you know, and you know, he, he needs the money, too, for rent. So, um, but our God, our God is slow and deliberate. So as those made in his image and purchased with his blood, we need to be slow and deliberate as well. Uh, who did I give Romans 12 to? Okay, Romans 12, 19 through 21, please. <laughs> And I'll see if you'd read uh, Matthew 6, 26 to 30, please. So from those two scriptures, what we can get is that God will repay those who wrong us, and God will provide for our needs. So if God will provide for our needs, and God will avenge us, and God will take vengeance on those who hurt his people, then do we really need to act right now, every time? Well, no, we don't. Okay? God's got this. Contrary to popular belief, God lived for an eternity before he created us. And, you know, he did just fine, you know. So he doesn't need our help 
to accomplish, I mean, he chooses to use us, of course, but he, he doesn't need us to do anything. He just tells us to, hey, sit there. One of my favorite scriptures is, and I forget where it is, but it's in the Old Testament, and I think it's when, um, it's, I think it's when Moses is pointing the Red Sea, and he basically tells the Israelites, sit down, shut up, and you're going to see what your God can do. You know, and that, that's just awesome to me. You know, God's going to fight my battles, and I don't have to fight them. So, again, if God fights our battles, and he, he, he wants to, he will provide for us, then we don't have to act right now, unless, again, so you see a fish swinging at your head, then move, of course. But, um, you know, we can be slow and deliberate because our trust is in God. And if God is slow and deliberate, then we need to be too. Number three is, I shouldn't be feeling this. Remember that your emotions are jumbled up, and it can be hard to separate them into neat yes or no piles. So stop it. Don't do that. Instead, we remember that we are to engage our emotions and sift them according to three questions. What is my emotion telling me about me? What is my emotion telling me about God? What is my emotion telling me about my neighbor? Okay. And I can think of one example here recently while I was experiencing a particular feeling toward someone. And I took that feeling and I really wrestled with, well, why am I feeling this? Like, why do I, I there was no earthly reason why I should have felt this particular feeling. It didn't make any sense. This person had done nothing to me other than simply exist and, um, you know, move in the calling that God had given them. So why was I feeling this? And so I had to really sit there and wrestle with that. Well, what is this, what is this saying? You know, what, what is this emotion that I'm feeling telling me? Of course, it was a bad emotion. But what, you know, in sifting through it, I it, it pointed to something that was going on in me that God used that particular emotion to, to point that out. So, you know, in asking these questions, we can deduce which parts of our emotions are good and which parts of our emotions are bad, okay? Because remember, it's, you know, they don't all come in single file and they're all muddled up like a, you know, like a bunch of paint. So you can't put them in yes or no piles. There are parts of your emotions that are bad and there are parts of your emotions that are good. And you need to ask questions and engage with your emotions in order to find out what is good and what is bad. Remember that our emotions help us connect with God and others, so we need to interpret our emotions with the questions above and not suppress them until we understand why we are having them. And I want to stop here for a moment. Is there anybody who wants to say anything or comment? If not, that's fine. I just don't want, I just don't want y'all to feel like I'm a diva and hogging all the spotlight. I want y'all to have some of it too if you want it. Um, so since no comments, we'll go on. This is the, the fourth and final one that we'll do. Is this is all or nothing. Okay. And because a dead horse is easy to beat, we're going to bring this up again. Let's again remember that we cannot put our emotions in a good or a bad pile. And we can't do this with humans either. Okay. So for example, I can't say that RCA is a bad person because he has black hair. I, can't, I, just, I just can't say that. You know, there are good things about RCA. 
And there are bad things about Austria. There are good and bad things about me. David I'm not so sure about. But um, anyway, but of course we do know that, that in the ultimate sense there is evil and God will judge people on judgment day. There will be sheep and there will be goats. Okay? So in an ultimate sense, yes, there are bad people. But our focus here is not eternal, but temporal. Um, sometimes good people will do bad things to you. Sometimes bad people will do good things to you. How many of you, just this morning, and, I, and how many of us, I include myself in this, how many of us just this morning committed sins of omission or commission? Is there something, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, is there something that you should have done that you didn't do? Or is there something that you didn't do? Isn't it? <laughs> I got, got confused though. Y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But, you know, how many of us here commit sins of commission and omission every day when you, when you wake up? Okay. And um, Martin Luther famously said, and I don't know if Cliff was here, he could tell me the Latin. I don't know if David could tell me the Latin, but it's we are simultaneously sinner and saint. So, or you want to try to give it up? I can tell you're working it over in your head. So, right. Okay. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I was not going to try to say the Latin. But anyway, Martin Luther said that we are simultaneously sinner and saint. So we can't just lump all people in one category or another. And we can't lump all interactions into a good pile or a bad pile. We have to, again, sift them. Just because something causes you stress, hurts you, or causes you to think, doesn't make it bad. Okay? A conversation with a spouse or a fellow believer is not a bad conversation just because they bring up a sore point for you. So if you know you're struggling with something, if you know you have a blind spot and a brother or sister in Christ comes to you and gently tells you about this blind spot, you don't need to cut them off completely because they brought up, they brought up something that offended you. How many husbands here have had a conversation with the wife and she gently tells you everything that's wrong with you? Okay. Gently, of course. Now the easy way out of that would be to explode and just to tell her that she's being a nag. I've never done that um, because I value my life and <laughs> I don't want to visit the emergency room. <laughs> they're, they're expensive. <laughs> but to be fair, there could be times when she is nagging. But just because a particular conversation that your wife has with you or just because a particular conversation you have with someone else hits a sore spot doesn't mean you scrap the whole conversation. Okay? There have been times when I've had and this is a good example, Jen, but she said not to, not to point her out, but, <laughs> but she's here, so, and I'm married to her, so it's, you know, fair game. But there have been times when I've had conversations with, with my wife, especially when it deals with our kids, and she said, you know, you probably were too harsh in that, or you probably could have dealt with that better. Now, if I had been you know, a toxic man. I could have said, well, this is, you know, I'm the head of this house and this is my, it's my way to the highway and you just need to shut up and submit, woman. But I didn't do that, you know, and we shouldn't either. 
Just because a conversation hurts you doesn't make it wrong. What is this person really telling me? Let me look at what they're saying. Is this something that I know I struggle with? And in talking to me about it, this person has nicked something in me. Josh, do you want to say something? You okay. You just look like you, you have that look like you want to say something. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if you do. I'm not mad. I just, you know, I want to give you the opportunity to share. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Um, so there are good, there can be good and bad in things. Um, Arden, read Ezra 3.13 for me, please. Now, what that's talking about is when Ezra has laid the foundation of the temple. Uh, and, of course, this is not Solomon's temple. This is a, the temple on a much smaller scale. So the younger people were excited because we have the temple back. The older people who remembered the grandeur of Solomon's temple were like they were crying because um, this is not what we had. Okay, So, um, and then, of course, we have the crucifixion of Christ. Crucifixion of Christ was a horrible thing. Okay? Horrible. But something good came out of it. You know? So we, we can't take an either-or approach to things. We have to take a both-and approach. You know, you can weep and have joy at the same time. It's, 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 it's okay to have both. You can weep for what you're going through, but you can have joy in what's going to come. So this particular circumstance that I'm going through at this time, it's bad, and I'm not, not and I'm not going to lie and say that it's not. But I know that what God is accomplishing through this is good, and so I can um, have faith that whatever bad is here, there's something good coming out of it. So, um, to wrap up, in conclusion, there are. Six things um, in the last chapter that uh, Parks taught on. Parks did teach my six, right? Okay. Thought, that, thought so. But there are five things, well, actually six things. Um, the sixth one really didn't make any sense, but I'll say it anyway because there, there are six. Um, but it's um, read your Bible, go outside. Cultivate good negative emotions, build altars, cling to corporate worship, and watch what the Lord does, which means that you listen to what God is doing in, in other people's lives, and you listen to that, and you are built up. So oddly enough, as we do these things to nourish healthy emotions, we are starving unhealthy ones. Remember that David eventually came out of his funk and put his mind on Christ. And as we do these five things, we are bringing our unhealthy emotions to God and letting him deal with them. Okay. We learn that we are more than conquerors and not subject to our emotions, as Romans 8.37 tells us. Okay. So that's one. We are not our emotions. We are more than conquerors in Christ, and we can overcome this, this time that we are in because we are in Christ. We learn that we don't have to act now because Psalm 145.8 tells us that God is slow to anger and he will take care of us. We learn that no feeling is bad, even doubt, 
and so we should so we should not condemn ourselves because Romans 8 1 tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and we learn that nothing is completely black or white good or bad because Romans 8 28 tells us that God works everything together for our good so our emotions are telling us things and we need to recognize that at times they tell us good things and, and, and they tell us bad things. So read your Bible. Go outside and experience the goodness of God. Learn to balance your emotions and cultivate good negative emotions. Build altars. I really liked that one, build altars. You know, little things to remind you of the goodness of God. You know, um, you know, uh, things that where you can remember how good God is. You know, the, in, in, in the Old Testament, that's what they did. They built altars to remind us of things. So build altars to remind you of the goodness of God and come and partake of the good gift of the Sabbath. We have a marvelous privilege here on this day to take a break from the week, to come and sit and listen to the word being preached and have good fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and talk to them and listen to the word and help and it helps us sift through our emotions. So we have this gift of the Sabbath and we need to take advantage of it. God is bigger than our feelings and he condescended to draw us to himself. So because of this condescension, the least that we can do is work on bringing our emotions in line with his word because as Romans 12, 1 says, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is the only reasonable thing we do. Okay? It's the only response we have to the great gift of God sending his son, condescending, and living a, a human life, dying on the cross, resurrected on the third day. If he did all that for us, then we can bring our unhealthy, negative emotions to him, and let him deal with them, and he, will, and, he, and, and he will bring us peace. So are there any comments or questions? I refer all questions to Josh or David. But comments or questions? Right. absolutely right i mean the christian life in general it's hard to do you know it it, it requires something out of you it requires a, a sacrifice i mean to sit there and work through your emotions 
you know, it's, it's very hard to do. It's not easy. It's, you know, it's not, you know, um, Paul said, you know, I die daily. And every day as Christians, we have to get up and decide, this is what I'm going to do. You know, so the Christian life, is, it's hard. It's not an easy, it's not a, that's why it's a narrow path. You know, because not, not a lot of people want to walk this. And, of course, we do it only by God's grace, so not because we're just awesome people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, it really humbles you when you think about how closely those two were linked up because you know you're going to mess up. Like, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to read an emotion wrong, or you're going to say something that might hurt someone that you love. You're going to act in a way, and you have to come back and say, you know what, I'm sorry. In the moment, I reacted this particular way, and, um, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I mean, if Julia had, if my kids and my wife had a nickel for every time I've had to apologize, we'd, we'd be rich, you know. I mean, because it's just, you know, Thomas is absolutely right. There is this tension there, and sometimes you, you, fall, off on the, you fall off the wagon and you go the wrong way, and you have to come back. But that's why the Sabbath is so important. That's why, you know, following the steps is so important because, you know, you realize your mistake and then you go back and you try again. So that's very good, Thomas. Anything else before we, before we pray? Right. Two, it helps in that to have a have a someone to look at and model yourself after, you know, which is why we follow Christ and you know follow the the heroes of the faith, you know, who who we know. Okay, you know, I know they did that, so I'm not going to do that. Or this is what Christ did, so I, you know, I'm going to follow him. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, you can't, you know, you you, you, you can't go back, but looking to Christ, you can model, this is what I should do. So, yeah. All right. Anything else, or and, and we'll close up.
Right. Right, yeah, right. course we know that he will finish that job you know like he's not God isn't going to ever slip up and say oh well sorry Michelle I didn't tell you that about that one you know it's okay you know he's you know he will finish the job that he started so we know that you know we know that we'll get there all right well I'm going to ask David to close this